0: We've talked about my utmost for His highest. And you know, have we put Jesus first? And when I hear that, they say, Glenn, have you put Jesus first? I kind of go, yeah, I think I did. I hope I did. But there's a sense of in me, I probably didn't do it enough. And sometimes you feel bad about that because have we really put Jesus first? So, because there's a struggle, isn't there? Do you have a struggle like me? I have a struggle. This is not working. Perhaps I haven't turned it on. That could be the first thing. Um, Because there's a struggle in priorities, isn't there? So so what are your top five priorities? And this is the time for you to respond because there is a reason this whiteboard is here. All right. What's your first number one top priorities? A hint, we're in church. It's God. God. It's God. Okay, well done. The first priority is, actually gave me a chiselled should be God, okay. All these priorities just keep coming. So what's the next, what should our next priority be? Jesus. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Jesus, God, same same one, same entity. Coffee, no, definitely not coffee. Family, did someone say? I'm prompting here because it's my list. Family, you know, because we wanna put God first, but family is just so important, isn't it? Okay, so we're getting through the list, okay. What takes most of our time up during the week other than career? Which we could, we could say it's the dollar, but that sounds very crass, doesn't it? So we won't say dollar, we'll say career or work because we're all very busy and we have to earn a living, don't we? So we've got God, family, career. What comes next? Church, did someone say church? It's my list. <laughs> it's church because we all love our church and we come here and get fed it's brilliant isn't it and then then there's all the other stuff okay so it's just life and that can include coffee mowing entertainment watching tv going to movies getting with the other with friends all all matildas all good things aren't they all good things but but you know what how how much of our life do we spend on all these these things cuz they're all priorities, aren't they? They all just take so much of our time. And it's so hard. You know, I, I watched, I, I, sorry, I saw an ad in a local country newspaper. It said, it said this, it said, Farmer with 160 acres looking for a marriage-minded lady with tractor. And when replying, <laughs> when replying, please send a picture of the tractor. All right. So I wonder what was his priority? You know, what was his priority? Because, you know, it's, Priorities are so hard, aren't they? And there's so many so many priority thieves in our life. So many things that maybe take us from God and the church and career and family. You know, in our average lifespan, we spend 65 years sleeping. That's a lot of, that's a lot of time. We work an average of 10.5 years during our life. We watch TV for nearly 10 years and we spend 1.1 years cleaning. I've got a cleaning company, so I'm sure mine is more than that. We spend two and a half years cooking, three and a half years eating, and the outcome of which we spend 30 months on the toilet. We spend spend 14 days of our life kissing. They were the good days. (laughs) Women spend at least one year just deciding what to wear. And my question to that is, just one year? You're kidding, it's a lot more than that in my house, let me tell you. I love you, I love you Ramona. Okay, we spend two years of our lifetime on the phone. And if you're in a business like me, probably five years. But Christians spend seven months in prayer during during their lifetime, which is 10 minutes a day. The average Christian spends only one and a half hours per week in church. Quite sobering, isn't it, when you, when you think of the priorities? Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we, all say we, so this is you and me, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has got good works for me to do as well. Now I feel like I'm under more pressure. You see, in my early 20s, I bought a, a block of land and paid it off before I met my wife. Uh, I built. Once I met my wife, I built the house before we got married. Didn't pay it off, but I, I built it. Because I felt the pressure of building a home for my family. I seemed to look sideways at my wife and she fell pregnant. And we had three, under three. Um, um, remember those 14 days of kissing had to lead somewhere. So, I was, a pl- I was a policeman working shift work so I, I was very busy with shift um, and our priority was for Romana to be at home with the kids so, so we had one, one income so we were under greater financial pressure uh, I had a lawnmowing round that I cut lawns before work after work and on my days off and all the time, all the time I was still faithful at church so I, I ran Sunday school I ran a Sunday school bus programme for a while I sung I taught Christian growth so I was faithful in all of this But I always felt guilty that I wasn't able to spend more time with God because all of these so, so important priorities took so much of my time. Am I on my own here? Is anybody else here? Because we're all the same, aren't we? There's all these priorities. So what about this? So let's look at the top priorities and let's just look at this. But what if these priorities were more of a concentric circle, let's just make some circles here and in the centre there is God or me and what if, what if, what if this? The centre being Jesus and he remains our number one priority, staying close to him, revolving our busy life of him. Now I not know about you, but we may move around some of these circles from time to time because we, we have to work. We have to work, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Some of us, we have to do a lot of work. Um, we have to spend time with our families. But we can do that, but still keeping him in the centre. So we don't have to feel guilty if we're spending time going to the movies. I encourage you to come to the of Cinema to watch some movies. Um, we don't have to feel guilty when we spend time with the kids at basketball because Jesus is always our centre. And I think that takes some of the pressure. See, then it's not just Jesus then my family, but Jesus in the centre of my family. It's not just Jesus in my career, but Jesus in the centre of my career. But the secret of this is, I think, is remaining in Him. And John 15, four through seven says this, remain in me. Another version says abide, which means to dwell, hang in there, spend time. Remain in me, abide or dwell in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, when He's not just at the top, but He's in the centre, a place where He radiates out of everything that we do, we keep Him in the centre, He can radiate into every area of our life and we can bear what? We can bear fruit. How good we will. And that kind of, to me, that brings a freedom and brings a balance from a Jesus-centred reality. Um, we don't have to be, feel guilty for being involved in so many things because He is in the centre of it all. But I'm confused then. What should I be doing? Mark twelve thirty says this. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. The second part is, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So love God, love your neighbour. Hey, this is simpler than I thought. Because that's what it boils down to, isn't it? There's a whole lot of other stuff. In the middle of doing all this other stuff, it comes down to just loving God and loving your neighbor. But you know, I always used to think that that was something that I had to do, it was like a responsibility, it was like a job or a chore. that I might be disqualified in my walk if I didn't do all this stuff, all this stuff because there's a whole thing. I should be doing this, I should be doing that. When I was in my 20s, I went out door knocking because I thought that's what I had to do. And it was hard and it was unfruitful and I was trying to do something that I thought I had to do. I went out street evangelising in the city you thought door knocking was hard and it was hard and it was unfruitful. It was something I was trying to do because it was something I thought I had to do. You see, I was kind of working under a law thing, something to qualify me in my walk as a Christian. But you see, it has to be, in my opinion, it has to be a collaboration of grace. So it's God and you working together to do the things that He's called you to do. Because what happens when you first meet Jesus? Think back, when you first meet Jesus, what does He do? He embraces you and overwhelms you with goodness before you can do anything for Him. Before you have done anything, He just embraces you, accepts you, loves you unconditionally. And as you dwell with Him, as you draw closer to Him, you are drawn to do some things for Him, to do more for Him than you ever could do on your own. But have you noticed... Because I've noticed, because I've been around a long time, as you get busy and don't keep him in the centre, and as you get a little bit colder, you kind of want to do less and less and less for him. It's only when you draw closer that you feel like, I'm feeling his embrace and I want to do more. And there's one thing when I go through, those times when I draw, I draw away. There's two scriptures that I speak over my life and I need to do this is, is, is Romans 8, 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because it's so easy to get condemned because I haven't done this and I haven't done this. The other one is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 where it says, it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of works so that men may boast. So that gives me, gives me a peace to say, hey, it's okay. Even though I don't do everything I'm supposed to do and don't do everything He asked me to do, I know He's got grace for me. You see, the good thing is, is this. God made you Say me, made you, not just me or Jody or Ashley or Anna or Joe. He made you as individuals, special people with personalities totally your own. God designed you to have skills and talents and gifts unlike anybody else so we can be used in our own special way. Ephesians 2.10 again, we've done this already, but I want to spend a bit more time on it. For we are God's handiwork. So it's like God specially made you the way you are. You were created in Christ Jesus to do what? He created you specially, Grace, specially created you to do good works that He's got prepared for you. So He's prepared things in advance for you to do. So what are the things we're supposed to do? Love God and love our neighbour. He's created you in a special way and He's created works for you to do in your life. You see, because God, I'll say it again, God made you with your own personality, your own skills and your own talents and then He's prepared stuff for you to do. Why, why? Because you are God's special handiwork and He's got works specially created for you to do. Stuff that He's made you able to do. Stuff that He's created you for. It kind of makes you go, oh my gosh, it's not just Joe, it's not just Jody, Ash or Anna. It can be a little old me. Because in your daily walk, God's gonna lead you to people that I will never meet, the leaders will never meet. He's gonna bring people with special needs that only you can help them with because He created you specially to do those good works. It takes the pressure off. It makes it easy because it's meant to be easy. You were handmade for your own good works. And the good news is, He wants to help you with it. And I quickly, look through, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent in My name, He will teach you all things and bring back to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. This is encouraging, isn't it? Could be that there's power in the name of Jesus, don't you think? Proverbs, trust in the Lord. I've got the Proverbs, there we go. Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Yeah. Boom, boom. This is gonna be easy. So we can be confident that the good works He's created for us to do will fit us like a hand in glove. And He says then He's gonna help us to do it. We can ask, seek and knock and we can trust Him. Boom, boom. This is gonna be easy. To do the good works God prepared in advance for you to do. In Luke 18, it talks about two rich young rulers. We to kind of know about one rich young ruler, but the other rich young ruler is called Zacchaeus. We all know about Zacchaeus, but he was a rich young ruler. In Luke 18, it speaks of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus proudly declaring that he kept the law all his life. By law, he'd kept this, he'd gone to church, he'd honoured his father and mother, he'd given to the church and he'd done everything. But Jesus knew his heart. And when Jesus said he wanted him to surrender, his most important possession, what was that? His money, his wealth, he couldn't do it and he went away sad. Why couldn't he do it? Because he hadn't given his heart. He'd done the works, he'd done all the things that he felt God had told him to, but he hadn't given him his heart. A few verses later, it speaks of the other rich young ruler, Zacchaeus, who was the opposite of the first rich young ruler. Zacchaeus was probably was wealthy. He probably skipped out on church, didn't contribute to the kingdom, took from it. Was selfish, couldn't care less for others. He had a reputation as a sinner. Never kept the laws. Generally regarded as a bit of a guy that nobody wants to get together with. However, one simple encounter with Jesus changed his life completely. All the things that Jesus required of the first rich young ruler, Zacchaeus, just from giving his heart to Jesus, surrendered all of those things, knowing that that was God's will. And then he used all his natural possessions and his gifts to serve the Lord. And in doing so, gained far more than he ever gave away. Are you like me who felt you had to do something for God and did it out of duty? Or... Are we following following what we think is the law? Or are we like Zacchaeus, where one one look, one invite into his house changed his life completely? See, I've got two little little examples that God used me for. And this is not about me. This is about God using me where I kind of went, did nothing, but just was obedient. And the first one is this. A lot of you know me, I'm not a bit of a car guy. I'm not a bit of a car guy. I'm a lot of a car guy. Don and I can talk about cars till the cows come home. I, Charlie loves ch- chatting with cars with me, don't you, Charlie? We lo- No, he doesn't really. We love, I love cars. They're one of my passions. I, I just was born that way. And I'm passionate about them, which leads me often to feel guilty about being so passionate about cars. You know, a few years back, I was contemplating buying a particular type of car, which I ended up buying and I still have right now. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool before I buy this car if I buy a brochure? You You know what a brochure is? You go into a new car showroom and you pretend to buy a car and they give you a brochure and you take it home and you can read it, right? That's a car brochure. Well, my car's quite a few years old, so I can't go and get a new one. So I looked online and I found one. And I bid on it and I won it. And the seller was in South Australia and it was in Gawler as it happens. So I thought to myself, well, instead of paying almost the same in postage as I did for the brochure, I'll see if I can drive up there and grab it. So I emailed the seller and I I asked him if I could pick it up and he said I could. But I, I really, as I'm emailing him, I felt I really need to say this. I'll call around after church on Sunday. Now I could have said, I'll see you after 12. I'll be in the Arvo on a Sunday. But I really felt God saying, tell him you're coming from church. So, so I did. How hard was that? Not hard at all. I, I'm coming after church, right? But God used that. God used that. Cause when I got there, he said, oh, I noticed you said you're coming after church. And all we talked about was Jesus. All we talked about Jesus, and then we talked about brochures. And now the next week, Keith, who's not here today, came to church. The following week, Helen came to church and they've been here three years serving the Lord ever since. And I was feeling guilty about buying a brochure. You see, you'll you never buy a brochure in your life, but I do, right? But God used that simple thing. The next one is very quickly, very simple. Um, my brother's birthday's in July and he had a little get together. In his backyard, he tarped off his veranda area. It's freezing cold, but it's quite warm in there. And he invites a lot of his regular friends. Now, they're not my friends. But they're nice people. And um, I went along and got there a little bit late, because I kind of felt a bit out of it, you know, I don't know these people. And um, I, I kind of went, okay, I'll, I'll go because it's my brother. So I sat on a secondary table. I didn't sit on the primary table because that was full of his, of his friends. And uh, so I sat there, I chatted a few people. A few minutes later, a lady who I've met a number of times, she's in her mid-70s, came across and sat next to me. She said, hey, Glenn, I thought I'd come and sit next to you and have a chat for a change. I went, that's lovely. Very quickly. Very quickly, our conversation turned around into Jesus. Now, did I instigate that conversation? No, I didn't. Something came up and I was able to share. And we shared for about an hour, chatting about different things. I was able to share some examples, some testimonies, what God's done in my life about the miracles I've seen in church. Just general chit-chat. And we're chatting away. And in the background, there's people talking, singing and music and all that sort of stuff. And then someone else came along, interrupted a conversation and it went elsewhere and I went elsewhere. But when I had a lull, I came back and I said, listen, we've chatted a while here. And I explained what she could do to give her heart to the Lord. And I said, would you like to do that? And She said, yes. She said, well, do I have to close my eyes? I said, no, you don't have to close your eyes. So right there and then, with music, talking, drinking, all around. No one knew what we were doing except she and I and Jesus. And right there and then, she gave her heart to the Lord. And she said, oh, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh, what's happening? And I really feel God was touching her. It was amazing. In the midst of this backyard at Salisbury East, just a little get together. Now, was that hard? No. No, God set it up. Because in my life I hope and believe that Jesus is the centre and I'm sure for you, many of you, Jesus is the centre and he's created you to do good works and he's got good works prepared for you to do and all you have to do is be available. As I said, you may never buy a car brochure in your life. Only weird and wonderful people like me do that. But, but I did. And I was able to use that opportunity to share someone with Jesus. And now I've got a really good contact and it gives me discounts. So it's great. Right? <laughs> you will go to different parties, different venues, work venues, a whole lot of places. And let me tell you this. As sure as I'm standing here today, there are people you are going to meet this week who don't know Jesus. And they've got a, 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 a chasm in their heart wanting to be filled by only one thing, and that is Jesus. You may not take them from the the seed to the harvest, but your job is to lay the seed, just encourage them, just water it, do something. So someone, or maybe you like I did there, reap the harvest because it's easy. It's not hard because... He's prepared you already. He's prepared the job for you already. He's gonna give you the opportunities. If we keep him in the centre, if we abide with him, he will give you the chance, the words, bring to your remembrance and help you to do great and wonderful things for him. Can I tell you how I felt after that? I didn't wanna go to that part. Well, I did, with my brother, but I always feel a bit out of it. How did I feel When I left that party, I burst into tears on the way home saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for using me. What an opportunity. I was stoked. I was so happy that He just used me, that simple little me in that little moment to be a blessing to someone else. And that ripple will go through eternity and you can create those ripples too. So the secret is we need to keep Jesus at the centre of it all. We've got to love God and love others. Not hard, is it really? It's not hard. <laughs> love God and love others. You've got to find your God-given fit because we're all different. I'm a witness to someone, you know, I'd be useless at it, but you will be perfect. Remember, its gr- I'm not good at this. It's grace, not law. You don't have to go out street evangelising or knocking on doors or what. Do what works for you because it's a collaboration of grace and God is gonna come with you, clothe you hand in glove and bless you as you speak to those people. Remember this, it's meant to be easy because it is easy as long as we put Jesus first. So today, You may not even know Jesus, who I've been talking about. Maybe Jesus hasn't been a priority for you. But let me tell you this, you're a priority for Him. And He's brought you here today. Maybe you're online and you don't know Jesus, but something has drawn you. Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And guess what? It is by grace. It's not by works. He doesn't go, oh, you've had too many sins on this side. He doesn't look at that. He says, like Mitch said so beautifully today, Jesus took all our sin, our guilt and our burden and He wants to wash you clean through His blood that you may stand before before Him clean and righteous. And all you've got to do is acknowledge Him. He says, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. What ideal! Just acknowledge me and today you can do that. If you don't know Jesus at the end of the service, I'm gonna invite you to come. We can pray together and you can invite Jesus into your life to change your life forever. Perhaps you're like me. You do know Jesus but you've been going through, I've gotta do this or I feel I gotta I can't, it's too hard too hard. Or maybe, maybe you've looked at this and I think, I give up. I got the family, I got the football, I got the, all the kids things and all the work and all. I can't do it. I can't do it. You can. Just got to put Jesus in the centre and let Him radiate out through all this thing. See, it's not a law thing. If we think it's a law thing, up so much pressure, so hard, but it's not. Whatever we do, if we keep Jesus in the centre, He's going to help us in all those areas. It's going to be so easy. So if you today go, I don't know what my gift is. What is my gift? I was 50, I was 50 years old I went to barber college. The first time I did this thing which told me what my spiritual gifts were. Duh. And once I knew that, I went, oh my gosh, that's a gift? I, my gift is to be an encourager, an exhorter. I just do it automatically. It's not hard work. It's what I do. But that's what God called me to do. Yours will be different. It could be the same. But it's in knowing what your fit is, you go, I can do that. I can do that. That's not hard. I can do that. And you might need to know what your fit is. Come down the front. We'll pray for you. Ask God to reveal it to you. Maybe God's got work for you to do. Prepared for you to do. And you just want courage, we love to pray for you for courage that God can use you. Little old church in, in Elizabeth, Elizabeth South, tiny little church on Goodman Road, filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, because there's power in the name of Jesus, and Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And guess who He wants to use? You us, we are a Our house, if only we would tap into it. And we can do that now. Let's pray.